Hey there, Hit Like a Girl Pod listeners. We've got some exciting news that's too good to keep to ourselves. You all know Grace Minton, whose stories have captivated us over the past couple years. Well, Grace has been doing such an amazing job with her show, High Tea with Grace, that it's time for her to shine even brighter. Yes, you heard that right. High Tea with Grace has graduated to its own show with its own brand new RSS feed. While we've loved sharing Grace's episodes as special bonuses on the Hit Like a Girl pod, it's now time to give Grace the spotlight she deserves. So what does that mean for you? To continue enjoying the compelling stories and insights from Grace, head over to your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button for High Tea with Grace. Trust us, you don't want to miss out on what she has in store. Her latest series is dedicated to understanding the VC funding world, aka Fund Like a Girl. Thank you for supporting us, and let's show some love for Grace on her exciting new journey. Remember, search for High Tea with Grace and subscribe today. Girl podcast. This is High Tea with Grace, where we spill the tea on HIT. I'm delighted to welcome Angie Frank, CEO of Bout Healthcare, formerly known as Central Logic. Angie, we're excited to have you on today. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Grace. So tell me a little bit about the company you lead, About Healthcare. Tell you about about? <laughs> yeah, tell me all about about. <laughs> oh, I would absolutely love to. So about is all about helping health systems get patients to the optimal setting of care. Um, that whole problem of care coordination and orchestration and access to the optimal setting for acute patients coming into the health system, um, uh, patients being discharged and moving to the next best setting of care, whether that's you know post-acute or skilled nursing or rehab, um, or even going back to the home where they're being monitored and, and treated in a, in a more acute status in the home setting, and then handling all of the logistics in between. Um, we bring a technology and services and best practices and analytics to, um, to bear to help health systems make it much easier for matching the demand for services that they um, offer with the supply of resources and getting people in the optimal setting of care. Wow, that is so amazing and clearly so important given where we've been the past few years. Why is it so important that health systems operate as one? Yeah, yeah. It, you're, you, what you just said is um, could not be, you know, more, um, more, you know, uh, uh, more true. And that is where we've been this past year and a half has certainly illuminated the breadth of the problem. We put strain on the system, demand on our healthcare system in ways that we could never have anticipated or predicted. And you could see where we started falling apart, where the system is just wasn't wasn't ready, um, wasn't organized, we weren't prepared to um, to operate effectively. And it's and it's and it's hurt all of us. Um, um, so certainly, I think in that regard, the last 18 months has been a phenomenal opportunity for us to go, all right, what do we need to do differently? Um, and this has been, you know, for for our company and for about, um, this has been an opportunity for us to bring more capabilities together 
to work with health systems on a broader um, basis to leverage some of these um, problems that we were solving in helping health systems operate as one system of care um, to bring that to a much broader um, scale basis. Why it's important is um, hospital systems have traditionally operated like a real estate portfolio. They have sites of care, it's all in a network. They've got leaders of each one of those sites. They might have entire executive teams. Um, they roll up their matrix organized. Um, each hospital, um, each care setting is really responsible for their own PL. Um, the problem that happens with that is you end up underutilizing some resources and having overcapacity or overutilize other resources, and, and you're not aligning the right patients always in the best setting of care. So you might have a patient um, that has a less acute condition in your most uh, you know, acute facility. Wow. And the costs and the revenue misalignment are, are significant. So how do you start utilizing your entire health system, all of your staff, all of the physical resources to um, make conscious decisions and put patients in the in the best setting, and that's that's what we that's how we really first start to help them operate as as uh, as one system of care. Yeah, that is really fascinating. You know, and with the with the new COVID nineteen variant coming up, and you know, flu season, we're in full yeah. swing, and RSV is going around with seniors right. and babies, and you know, it's it's really how do we keep this patient care, you know, at the focus uh, when patients are having to wait for care because health systems are overwhelmed, you know, and nor nursing shortages are at an all time high. You know, how do we keep those patients kind of at the center of of what's going on here? That's right. That's right. So every everything that we do um, in healthcare for healthcare technology for about is all about the patient. As how do we ensure that they are they are in the in the best setting at the right time? They get there efficiently when they're ready to be moved from one setting. We're helping facilitate and get them moved because none of us we don't want to be sitting in an inpatient bed if we can be at home recovering or if so we true. should be in a rehab or a post-acute facility, we want to, yeah. you know, it's it's best for our healing and our recovery. Um, for the hospital system, it's best when, if they've got patients that are ready to be moved to post-acute or to home, that they free those beds up and those resources up for the next patient that needs it on the more acute status, the more, uh, you know, the, the sicker patient that needs that inpatient bed. So the system operates more effectively when you can, when you can really start bringing these um, pieces together and uh, and utilize your entire network of care for making those making those placement decisions it for that for the health system it means a couple of things it, um, so if you take the patient and you get the patient to the best setting clinically they have a better outcome when they, when you move a patient in an acute need into the inpatient and you get them there faster and more efficiently they ha they have a better so it's not even care. just you know important for the hospital and health systems resources it's important for the patient's overall clinically, care and outcome yeah, clinically exactly yeah. exactly and so that's that's kind of first and foremost next the hospital operates more efficiently 
Third, it's a it's a revenue. This becomes a revenue engine. When you make it easy to do business with your health systems and easy to get patients in and through and out to the next best setting of care, you become a destination um, for other referrals, for other providers to send patients your way. Um, the patient has a great experience and they want to come back and keep their care inside of your network. Yeah, it's just good business at this it's point. It's just good business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It shifts it to be proactive. We put in place a consistent way of handling these uh, these decisions. And now you've got reduced variation, operational efficiency, leveraging your resources. And I think in today's day and age, we can't not talk about the pressures um, that we have on our workforce, on our nurses, on the physicians, on inpatient, you know, case managers, um, all health system workers right now are under such tremendous pressure. If we can take a little bit of noise out of those processes and make yeah. things operate easier um, and let them focus on the patient, I mean, we're, we're doing, we're doing good. It's a win-win. Absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. Um, I wanted to talk with you a little bit today about uh, the patient leakage survey that you guys recently did. What is patient leakage and what did your survey find? Yeah, no, great question. So, um, so patient leakage is when it kind of, it does kind of sound like a, it sounds like a clinical term. A medical condition. Business. Do you have patient linkage? <laughs> it does. You know, it's one of those terms where you go, maybe we should kind of change the term in the industry. Sometimes you got to just go with the flow, right? This is this it's descriptive, is so let's keep it. Yeah. So we're talking business, not a clinical term here. So the business term patient linkage is losing patients that you may have um, had captured in your system and they got referred out and sent outside of your system because you didn't have good ways to make it easy for your providers inside of your network to keep them in the health system. That's one type of leakage. Another would be um, you you lost, it's almost like lost opportunity because you're inefficient and not as effective as maybe a competitor down the street on capturing a patient transfer. Uh, you make it hard for referring sources to send you a patient. Um, you you lose those patients and they they get referred elsewhere. So, so leakage can be um, you lose them once you've got them or you lose them in the process because you're inefficient. But no matter what way you look at it, um, leakage is a big problem for health systems because it's lost opportunity. Yeah. It's lost revenue. Mm -hmm. And so many of these health systems are really struggling, you know, and to keep stay alive, stay afloat sometimes. And so to have That's that, right. make sure they're keeping those patients is very important. That's so what it. did your survey show? Yeah, so our, our survey showed that this is a big um, problem for health systems and an area of focus, and they are looking for um, more ways to address um, patient leakage, and this is a priority for health systems to, you know, to begin to, to solve and address, um, uh, you know, plug those gaps, operate as one system of care, um, define more standards and processes for their health system to better um, acquire and bring patients in the front door and then put in place those processes to um, plug the gaps where patients are leaking out and they're, and they're actually referring their own patients out to other um, competitive health systems. So um, it's, a, it's a revenue and an operational priority. And at the end of the day, it's an important, um, you know, important for the patient experience as well. 
Absolutely. Another thing, you know, we're hearing a lot about right now is just closing the gaps of health healthcare equity or making sure that we're giving equitable health care. Um, how can some of this patient orchestration help, you know, with healthcare access and, and health equity? Yeah, yeah, no, it's such a great question. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually going to give a real life example of how that this plays out every day um, within uh, within about clients. Um, during the pandemic, so one of the things that we saw, um, I, I think, as a nation, was there were uh, there were issues with access and and um, disparities in in care for people that had less access to care. Um, you know, we 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 have seen um, really negative outcomes, and I think this has really really brought this issue to light for for the industry as a whole. Um, we we did some really innovative work in the state of Arizona. We were just fortunate to already be partnered with the largest health system in Arizona, and that's Banner Health. Wow. Um, we have been a partner with Banner for a number of years, um, work very closely together. Um, Banner was tapped by the state of Arizona to, um, to help them proactively you know, get prepared for this influx of patients and influx of demand that they saw coming after watching what was happening in New York City early in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so the the um, the state became very active in planning and preparation. They turned to Banner and they said, here's what we want to do. We want to see if we can work together as an entire state, as a system of care, um, and make sure that we load balance the demand that's coming in and we don't let any one facility get overburdened with demand and therefore not being able to keep up with the patient needs. That and is so logical and I mean, it's so fascinating too because the populations yeah. of Arizona, you have rural, you have urban, you have suburban, you have Navajo nations. I mean, there's a, a huge diverse population in Arizona. That is exactly right. And the yeah. Navajo Nation was one where they had the largest per capita outbreak of COVID in the world. So oh. 800 people came down with COVID. Now the Navajo Nation and the hospitals that are in and around that area, those are teeny hospitals that oh had no goodness. ability to handle that type of demand. But this solution, when, when the state um, worked with Banner, pulled together um, not only our technology, but some other technologies into one um, shared service center that the Arizona Department of Health Services operated. They were able to move those patients, make the decisions, um, find the available capacity and get the patient to the care that they needed very efficiently, which meant um, all people in Arizona, regardless of where they lived, regardless of their circumstances, had the ability to get care anywhere in the state and um, and have that be facilitated efficiently so that they could heal and uh, and get well. And, you know, it was uh, yeah, it was a real tangible example of how can we do that, you know, in our in our own communities, making sure that we're getting patients access to the care that they need, regardless of socioeconomic, their ability to pay, their history and using the healthcare system, whatever it might be, that we're making sure that we're getting access um, to care for all. And I, I just I just think it's such a tremendous example of how that came together. 
Absolutely. It's what a, a, an inspirational story of people really coming together and resources and software and everything coming together to, to manage the COVID cases in Arizona. So I want to kind of dive into a little bit about uh, your personal leadership style. You know, you are the CEO of a company, a very busy company, uh, clearly, and doing very important things in healthcare, health IT. How do you approach leadership and how does that approach impact the culture at the company? that you are running and leading? Well, you know what? I, I, so I'll start by saying um, I probably approach my entire leadership style as, you know, treating people the way I'd want to be treated. So let's, let's uh, first of all, you know, we spend more time together in our day jobs with the people that we work with than, than who we spend, you know, time with, you know, the time that we spend with our families is less compared to the time that we're typically spending in the office and with our, with our colleagues. So, you know, how do you create an environment where people can do their best work? Yeah. How do you um, create an environment where people understand where it is that we're going, you know, understand the vision, um, capture people in their heart. I, I feel really strongly that, you know, we can talk all day, like hey, we can put spreadsheets up and all sorts of technical data. And it's like, no, people need to be captured. They need to know that they're part of a company where every day the work that we do is impacting patient lives and it's impacting it for the better. And while we might never be known to that patient and we might never know who those people people are, they're out there. And when you start talking, I mean, I, I get the I get the luxury of being able to tell our story lots of different places, and it is inevitable. I go out in a public setting, I tell the story about what we do and and um, and how we do it, and somebody will come up to me after and they will tell me their personal story. And it wow. will be, uh, and then they'll ask me, do you work with this health system? Because this is where it happened and you know, I, we got there quickly and, or we didn't, we had a really bad outcome. And do you work at this health system? I, it happens every single time I, I you you know, give a public presentation. So to our staff, you know, we're, we're, we're unsung heroes behind the scenes, but we're doing something super meaningful, super impactful that at somebody's worst day of their life, when they really need to get care um, urgently and, and, you know, in an inpatient setting, we're there helping to make that happen. And so wow. that's, that's rewarding. I think, I think that's, that's just a, an important part from my perspective on leadership is that we help connect, you know, the, what we do to the why it matters so that people, People, um, people that are part of our team are compelled and captivated by the mission. And uh, and then, you know, they know where we're going. They're captivated by the mission. They understand their role and how we're making this all happen so that people have clarity. And uh, but then we put fun, you know, in this. I'm I'm kind of a, you know, I want to have fun when I'm at work. Woo! Everybody loves Woo. to hear that from a CEO. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know. I, that's that's my personality. So I'm sure my personality comes through quite a bit in the culture. We do things like when COVID happened mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, what we knew coming in every day, seeing our coworkers, building those relationships, having those connections were just kind of gone uh, yeah. very quickly. And you know, one of the things that we did was we said, we've got to stay connected as people and stay connected as a team. And we're 
adding more people to our staff and we're hiring and onboarding at a time where people don't get a chance to you know come in the office every day and meet their coworkers. so we do things like we do a uh, stand up twice a week and um whole company we all get on we started off with music there's always a song of the day i love that what kind of music is like oh. jazz rock like yeah. Yeah, yes, all of the above. And we, is it Spotify? Do people perform? Oh, we have yes. We've had people that said, I want to do the song of the day and can I sing? And it's unbelievable. It's like the talent we have wow. in this company is fantastic. So it's it is it is a real um galvanizing point um for us to we do this stand-up one day a week is a topic and we we cover you know business updates, etc. And then the other stand-up that for the week is on Friday, and that's the employee of the day. And they pick the music and then they tell us all about themselves and we we all feel, you know, super connected and, you know, builds culture and it makes it fun to work here. And, you know, we're going to do a cookie decorating thing via Zoom, uh, you know, next week as, you know, part of our culture. So we we do, we do, I guess, getting back to your question as a leader, I just feel like you got to create an environment for people to do their best work and show up in the best way possible and, yeah. and treat them the way you'd want to be treated and capture them in their heart and, great things happen. And, uh, and that's, that's how I lead. That's fantastic. Well, you know, I love that whole idea of making sure you have fun and that connectivity and, and how critical that is for, for getting the best product, especially when the product is as important as what you guys are providing. Uh, a little birdie told me that you do strength training and (laughs) I would love to hear a little bit about that. Oh yeah. You can actually hit like a girl. Talk about hit like a girl. (laughs) I do. I I pumped some iron here this morning. Yeah. I, um, I, I love to work out. I, I got away from it for a number of years. This is probably now, you know, eight or nine years ago. I, I think I was so consumed in my job at the time that I lost focus on, you know, my own health and well-being. And I stopped working out and it was just bad uh, outcomes. I gained weight. I just didn't feel good. I wasn't didn't have as much of an energy level when I probably needed it the most. And so I made a um, commitment to myself to get back into exercise and fitness and make it a priority in my life to where I, I really rarely compromise. So I, I, I'm in the gym um, five to six days a week. Wow. I, um, I lift four days a week and I do cardio um, the other two days. I do cardio every day that I lift, but yeah, I'm a, I, I, I feel uh, at least from everything I've read, um, combining cardio and strength training is just, you know, just kind of maximizes the health benefits. I feel better with muscle than I do without muscle. So, and I've got a, I've got a, a frame that uh, needs to have muscle on it. Otherwise I just, I just, um, it's just better if I'm exercising. Yeah, and so many leadership lessons that we can learn too, uh, I think as a community in prioritizing health and fitness yeah. to work your best. Uh, yeah. Do you feel like it really helps you build the strength of your company being personally strong, physically strong? Mm-hmm. I, I do, I do because I, I think I think more clearly. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. so my I'm, I'm pretty regimented on my routine. I get up at 4.15 in the morning. I'm in the gym by 4.40. I get my workout in, um, which usually takes about an hour, maybe a little more. I go home, get ready, and I come into the office. By the time I'm in here, I've been up a few hours. I've been thinking through my day. You know, I feel like I've got a, I have a energy level. I feel ready to go. Um, 
so I think it it does help on clarity of thought and just mm-hmm. um, just giving you. It also gives you a little bit of you know personal time in your day. Um, so I, I I feel when when there are those days where I skipped the workout for whatever reason, I just actually came off of a back injury, which was like, oh my gosh, oh, that's so um, hard. Just, it was only a week. <laughs> was it a stress but, fracture? I feel like it probably was. <laughs> no, I, it was. I wish I could say I was. You know, really hitting it hard in the gym. I was standing there doing you know my barbell curls, and I don't know something just kind of felt funny in my back and it just yeah. spasmed. And so I had a week of, uh, a week of that. So, um, but when, when I don't get into the gym, I actually feel more fatigued during the day wow. and less yeah. energy than, than when I go in and work out. And, uh, and so then I also apply my other like business principles to my workout. I log my workout every single day, what I do cardio, um, what I do for lifting and all sorts of little notes about my, my exercises so that I can keep adjusting it. I adjust my, um, my workout every four to six weeks so that my body doesn't ever get totally comfortable. A little muscle confusion is good. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I love to hear that. And, you know, it's really, I think, uh, interesting to hear too about the clarity of thought in addition to the strengthening of your body and and pushing it just enough to keep getting stronger and stronger. Really, exactly. Change it up. Yeah. And I know what I think of them when you talk about it, you come in, you talk about it at the office and other people are like, Hey, I'm doing a workout. And I think it just, it breeds community. I mean, it breeds Mm. other people, you know, then maybe challenging themselves and, and talking about what they're doing to exercise. And it becomes a little bit part of the fabric of the company where, you know, we also put healthy snacks in here. We don't have, you know, jars of M&Ms sitting around. We have, you know, a fruit bowl and granola bars and peanut butter. Stuff yes, like that. that's so great. Like that. It kind of does set the tone for the culture yeah. of the company. Yeah. You know, this is it what does. we do. And when when you work at about this is what you are do and what yeah. it's like, and you can they can connect at another level. Yeah, on that. You got it. That's interesting. So I'm wondering, uh, what's your favorite podcast or book right now that you're currently into? Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, I have just gotten into listening to more and more podcasts and I do find my drive. I don't have, you know, like the hour drive each way every day. So it's not like I've got, I only have about a 15 minute drive. So I, I, uh, but I read a lot and I do love to read books. I actually just finished the book called Grant and it's a historical so I, I really like historical fiction. I have read every single Mishner book and, you know, I've, I've read a lot of the, uh, like all the Ken Follett series. And so I'm, I'm into historical um, fiction. Um, the book that I read about Grant, I read Lincoln, um, you know, a year or so ago. I just find them fascinating, um, fascinating stories to understand leaders and people um, at points in our you know, our history of our country where they were faced with making decisions and leading and motivating um, people and teams with the challenges that they were facing. I, I just, I just find it, I find yeah, it, it is so interesting how that just, you know, to think about how their pro- many of their problems and issues, while different back then, how they approach those problems and issues are very applicable today to any problems and issues that come our way. It's Absolutely very inspiring timeless. to yeah, hear. Yeah, it is inspiring. Story. Yeah, it's also you know I think um, I think we can easily become feeling like victims, you know, if we're all oh, you know things are so bad or this is so wrong or we've got it. So it's like no, we gotta just 
pull ourselves up. And I think you could get really grounded when you read, you know, if we think this is tough, like here, read this book, read what these people were facing or, or go to this country and see something, you know, different or go look in this industry and see some of the challenges that they face. Mm-hmm. And it gives perspective. And I think, I think we could all use lots of perspective as, as good in today's day and age. So it really opens up a window for me of different perspective, different time, timeless, uh, timeless challenges. Yeah. Timeless challenges and lessons. Um, So I'd love to hear, you know, before we we finish our podcast today, uh, what's some of the work that you've been most proud of in your career to date? Well, I, the, there's Arizona example, just to be part of, of, um, being able to mobilize at that time in our country. I, you know, I am, I feel really proud to, um, to that. I was part of the company that was also part of that, that broader solution. So that to me is, is inspiring and exciting. I wish we could um, have had the opportunity to do more of that. Um, and I, and I think we will with other, you know, other states um, and other, you know, other regions of the country. We certainly are working with, you know, hundreds of hospitals across the country today. And that is, that is very rewarding. I have, I would say my career has, I stumbled into healthcare. I did not wow. have um, any intent. I didn't go to college and get a degree in, you know, nursing or, or um, you know, uh, business with the intent of being being in the healthcare industry, but I stumbled into it. And I, I feel like every step of the way through my career, I've had the opportunity to work work inside of companies, work with leaders where we were doing something so mission driven, um, so purposeful to, um, you know, bettering our communities and people's lives that I just feel like the collective whole of, of my career has felt super rewarding mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, you know, meaningful. And, and I feel proud of that. I feel proud that, you know, I, I, and we all get, you know, these opportunities, I'm sure, where you could take, make a lot of money and go do something else and, you know, work in another industry that um, might not have the same level of, of uh, mission feel to it. And, and, and that I'm probably most proud that I've, um, for almost my entire career, there's a couple of years I took a break from healthcare. And, and that was actually, I think, really beneficial as well for me, but, um, but stayed really focused on, on working in an industry where, where people's lives yeah, so inspiring and, and rewarding to have an integral role in, in helping save lives. It's, yeah. It truly is. So yeah. to finish off this conversation, right, where can our listeners find you online? Sure. Uh, you mean the company? Yeah. Yes, they can find us online at abouthealthcare.com. And we have lots of resources out there and, and uh, um, you know, good, good resources available for anybody in the industry. But that would be where I would uh, start is abouthealthcare.com. That's terrific. And before I forget... Did you happen to bring tea with you today? I brought my tea. I similar to you, I've got my plain white mug. Actually, my mug is a mug I brought Ooh. myself that said "World Best Mom." I, which I don't know it. if it really it is true if you buy it for yourself, but I was like. I deserve this. <laughs> you deserve it. You absolutely are the world's best mom and you should be holding that mug. I have my plain white mug mm-hmm. um, because these are the mugs that we have in the office that all of our uh, staff can use. And uh, and so I just, you know, use what's here. 
But filled inside my mug is my favorite tea, and that is a London Fog. That is also my favorite tea. <laughs> London Fog is amazing. And for those of you that haven't had it, it's like an Earl Grey, creamy Earl Grey mixture. A little honey, creamy. Little honey. Oh. A dash of lavender, if you have it. Yes, if you have it, put the lavender in there. It is, you just might not ever go back to coffee once you've had a London fog. It's good for the soul. Like it literally, you drink it and you're like, you feel the warmth and the creaminess and the, yeah. Yeah, on a day where in my, it's not snowing yet, but we're going to have a snowstorm here. So this is a good London fog day. That is too good. We also just had a snowstorm here over here. So I'm feeling the tea deep inside my soul today. (laughs) Well, that is too good. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for watching. Check out the Hit Like a Girl podcast and YouTube page for other great guests just like the one today. Cheers. Cheers. Like a Girl Media is more than a media network. It's a community. We want to meet you and amplify your voice and the voices of outstanding women innovating in healthcare. Interested in starting your own podcast or hosting an event near you? Connect with us online or in person. We're here to support and empower you.